Turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 through 3. Hebrews 11, verse 1 through 3. <laughs> Just recognize she had a camera. Try to ignore it as much as possible, but every now and then you just like, oh, there's a camera. Amen. Glory to God. <laughs> uh, so Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 through 3, we're talking about finding health through hunger and humility. Or hunger plus humility equals healthy. Amen. Hunger plus humility equals healthy. This is something that came out this week, I said, uh, to the church in Moorhead City. And uh, I said that most people do not realize that they are not hungry as the way that the Lord's asking them to be hungry. Most people don't realize that they're actually not humble on the level that God wants them to be humble. They're humble to the degree that they think they should be humble. They're hungry to the degree that they think that they should be hungry. But in order to actually hit God levels of hunger and humility, we actually need revelation from God what that level is. And this is actually what holds back many people is because they don't know actually what degree they have available to them in hunger and humility. They don't actually realize just how hungry they can get, and they don't actually realize just how humble they can be. Now think about this. If God made a promise that if you get hungry, you'll be satisfied and filled, any time where you reach a lack, of satisfaction in your life, a lack of being filled in your life, it shows your lack of hunger. Now, how many people would say, I'm as hungry as God wants me to be? You see, because when you actually back it down to those truths and the absolutes and the absolute promises of God, if I'm not satisfied and I'm not filled in my spirit, man, I'm not completely filled up to where I need to be. It shows my lack of hunger. And the same thing for humility, because humility will give you grace and greater grace when you humble yourself to God. Humility and submit to God. Humility will give you grace and greater grace. And what does grace do? Grace solves all the problems. It solves all of them. And so if I've got problems that keep persisting in my life, it shows a lack of grace, which shows a lack of humility. And so let us not be so prideful as to think, oh, I've arrived at humility. I've arrived at proper hunger of God. No, we haven't. No, we haven't. I don't care how hungry you've been in the past or how humble you've been in the past. First of all, hunger and humility is an ongoing thing, and there are varying degrees of it. And just because I was hungry in the past, you know, y'all have heard me tell the story about the extended fast and 40-day fast and all that kind of stuff. Just because I was hungry back then doesn't mean I'm hungry today. That doesn't mean that. It just means I experienced it one time. I put it on once. But we're called to actually carry it and it to be on us all the time. And when we do that and you are filled and you are walking in grace and greater grace, it will lead to your health. It will keep you healthy both 
spiritually and physically, and I'm going to show that to you in the Word today. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 through 3. Hebrews 11, 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Now hope, as you know it, is joyful, confident expectation. So faith manifests the things you expect. Faith manifests, you can write that down. Faith manifests the things that you expect. So let me just ask you this question. What are you expecting? Are you expecting problems? Are you expecting lack? Are you expecting ongoing, like, man, I take two steps forward and one step back? Man, I'm just dreading going to work on Monday because this person is going to give me a problem. Why are you thinking about that? Why, why are you thinking about what, what could go wrong? It hadn't even gone wrong yet. God says don't worry about anything even if it is going wrong. You for sure shouldn't think about what's going to go wrong before it actually happens. He says do not fear. Don't worry about anything. Be anxious for nothing. nothing right? And so, But on the opposite end, what should we be expecting? He says he'll give us the Holy Spirit who will disclose to us all things. He'll give us and disclose to us all things. He'll take what is mine, Jesus said, and he will give it to you. He'll take what is mine and he'll give it to you. He says, the Lord says he longs to give you all things richly to enjoy. How many things? (laughs) How many? Richly to enjoy. Then, of course, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And my God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything may have an abundance to do every good work. You know, it's like, he, what, what's he trying to get to us? Is it in, do you know it? Because, I mean, I, I heard like five people say it. What's he trying to get to us? How often? In how many areas? So that you'll have just enough? You have all sufficiency. What are we expecting? Well, pastor, faith just comes easy to you. The only reason faith comes easy to me is because I've just learned that I just take his promises like a kid. I just say, you'll give me that? Okay. Like a kid. That's why it's easy. It can be easy for everybody. If they'll just get like a child. Okay, I'll take it. Amen. But see, it's adults. You have to teach somebody not to believe. Kids will believe. Kids have to be taught not to believe. And many of you have been taught really well. And when you actually learn that and you recognize that, it'll help you a lot. Many of us have been taught really well how to not believe. And it's time to shift that because that's not godly. That's not heavenly. We've been taught to not believe. We've been taught to logic through everything, to not expect great things. But whatever we expect, that's what faith will bring to pass. You know, even negative things. Job said, the thing I feared the most. 
has come upon me. The thing I was expecting to be a problem, guess what? Turned out to be a problem. Shocking. It's the most amazing principle. Whatever you expect, you draw it to yourself. I wasn't supposed to stop reading the scripture. I was supposed to read scripture one through three, then come back and teach, but I got sidetracked. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it, by faith, the men of old gained approval. Now, faith, you understand that you have trust and you have belief, but faith is when you put faith in God in His promises, in His things. So, faith in God is what will stand, uh, the shield of faith that won't be pierced, that will quench every fiery dart, is not just your belief system, it's when your belief system is backed by the Word of God. And when your belief system is backed by the Word of God, you gain approval in God's eyes, because faith is pleasing God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But when you put faith on God's things, that's very pleasing to God. How many people want to please God? Get faithful. Don't, don't, don't find reasons not to believe. Find reasons to believe. Like you should easily fall on the side of, that's easy for me to believe. See, it, it's the world that taught you to be a skeptic, but not the Spirit of God. Spirit of God's teaching you how to believe Supernatural things, things that are impossible to men. Spirit of God's teaching you how to believe supernatural, impossible things. For with God, all things are possible. Why is he making that statement? Because he's showing us that you can believe the supernatural. You can believe the impossible. You don't have to believe logic. You you believe God, who's the highest logic. The highest wisdom. Him and his word, he's the highest wisdom and the highest logic. Amen. Amen. Um, uh, Clear this spot. Just that, Steve. That's good. Miss Labrina, come up here. This is your message today. Amen. Your message today. Things are changing in your life, ma'am. Things are changing. God's moving you. I wasn't planning on saying this, but God's moving you up. He's leveling you up right now. He's leveling you up. Things are happening. You're going to start to see things fall into place. Don't get in pride over it. It's not you doing it. It's him doing it. Amen. Glory to God. (laughs) Amen. Amen. I know I just changed seats, but it's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. I just looked back. He said, call her up here. So, amen. Amen. Glory to God. Faith, and hear this message today, because this is what will keep you there. Amen. Faith, faith is the assurance things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for for by it the men of old gained approval. They pleased God, and they gained approval in God's sight. And verse 3 By faith we understand that the worlds, the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen, so he says what's physical and seen, what is in front of you tangible and touchable, what is seen, 
was not made out of things which are visible. In other words, the things which you see were actually made from things you can't see. So what faith does is it takes the unseen in, in terms of physical and tangible. See, with your faith, you can see things that you can't see with your eyes. With your faith, you can see things that you can't see with your eyes. But you can see with the eyes of faith in the spiritual, in the supernatural, you can see a promise of God that says, He wants to give me all things richly to enjoy. And all of a sudden you can pull those joyful things out of the unseen and manifest them into the seen. So he literally teaches us here that the world that you see were made from things that weren't seen, made from things which are spiritual. And what is the force that pulled it into manifestation? Our faith, even our faith. Our faith pulled it from the unseen into the sea. Our faith does that. So we've got to have faith in the things of God. See, a lot of times our belief systems are based on what we've been taught. But if those things that we've been taught were not the truth of the Word of God, we have a belief system, but you can poke holes in it. You hold up your shield of belief, right? We have a shield of faith, but it works in the same sense. It works in the same sense as a shield of faith, a shield of belief. If you can imagine it, everything you believe looks like a shield, but only the things that are based on the Word of God have the backing of the power and the love of God. And so when a fiery dart comes, the one that's backed by the Word of God will be quenched and stopped. But if we have a belief that's not based on the Word of God and Satan shoots a fiery dart at it, it'll just poke right through it like it's paper. Why? Because it doesn't have any backing. It doesn't have any backing. So we want to change our belief system to all be backed by the Word of God. We want everything we do, everything that we stand for to be backed by the Word of God. Nothing in there that we believe. We don't want to believe anything that's not backed by the Word of God. That, that's why. Because then you become stable, you become secure, you become founded in the things of God. You become sound in those things. This is why many Christians' lives look just like the world. Because their foundation and their belief system is not based on the Word, it's based on what they were taught growing up in a corrupted world. But it's every Christian's duty and responsibility to actually let the water of the Word wash over them and change their belief. Don't be conformed or molded into the form of the world or the thinking and the belief system of the world, but be transformed in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind which is the washing of the water of the Word. So the Word will come up, the Word will come up, and, and as you read it, it'll wash over you, and it'll, it'll start to clean up your belief system, and it'll cause you to challenge things that you believed for decades, even. As you spend time meditating the Word, meditating the Word. 
See, I'll, I'll tell you this. The Lord's really been talking to me about this. Most people, the issue that they're having is they're meditating on everything but the Word. You're not called to meditate on you. Who you are, what you are, well, what's going on in my life? How do I need to fix my life? It didn't tell you to meditate on you. Stop thinking about you. Start thinking and meditating on the Word. And when you meditate on the Word of God, and then the Word of God will start to produce in you and fix you. But when you meditate on fixing you, you're going to be really disappointed. Because you are not your backing source. You are not the foundation of a successful, healthy life. The Word is your foundation of a successful life. And then you meditate on the Word, it'll go in there and and the stuff that you have that needs to be fixed, it'll wash all over that and it'll start to dilute that unbelief. It'll start to dilute all that corrupted worldly thinking and all of a sudden your brain and everything else will just be fixed. And you'll be like, how did I get this way? I just meditated on the truth. And it'll just wash you. But you need to meditate on the Word, not you. Well, what do I have? What am I lacking? What's my strengths and gifts? Who gives a rip? Who are you in the Word? Who are you in the Word? That's what matters. You're, you're a son of God Most High. You're a son of God Most High. You hear me? <laughs> you being cleaned right now? <laughs> Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) That's what happens when you get answers. You get the answers. Whoo. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Get them some water. <laughs> You understand that you don't have to meditate on everything the world's told you to meditate on. What do you meditate on? You meditate on the Word. That's it. Well, God's given me a brain. Yeah, to meditate on the Word. Think on these things, whatever things are worthy of praise. Whatever things are worthy of praise. Hallelujah. See, this is the answer to most people. They just, they don't realize it. What do we say? It's as simple as aloe, abide, listen, and obey, right? When you abide in the Word, who are you abiding in? Jesus. You're abiding in the Word. You're abiding in Jesus. You're abiding in the Word. You're abiding in Jesus. Most people, they think they got to do all this stuff. They got to have a brainstorming session to figure out their life and their plan. No, you don't. Just get in fellowship with God. Just meditate on the Word. Think on things worthy of praise. Think on what he's promised to you. Think on what he's given to you. Hallelujah. Think on those things.
Think on those things. Meditate on those things. And what happens is the spiritual things and the promises and the construction of who you are starts to manifest in your life, and then your life starts to be a world that's formed by things that are unseen. So he'll take the unseen things, he'll change you. So this is why people can be healed supernaturally is because their their spiritual man is changed into the likeness of God, into the righteousness of God in Christ. And if it's right in Christ, what's sick with your spirit man? Nothing. But that's the real you. And when you change the, the real you, the spirit man, into a healthy being, it gives the right for your fleshly man to also receive that help. And so you're not the sick trying to get well. You are actually the healed enforcing your healing in that way. And so you change it. Faith literally manifests or it renders the promises of the Spirit into the natural. It renders it that way. It it manifests. It brings it into your hand, which is what that means. It brings it into your hand. So what should we be meditating on? What should we be meditating on? What should we be meditating on? What only should we be meditating on? What always should we be meditating on? What 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 should we be meditating on? That's it. That's it. That's what we should be meditating on. And and I watch as many times I've created my own problems. Why? Because I was meditating on the wrong thing. Meditating on completely the wrong thing. just, Just close your eyes for a second and review your week. What did you meditate on? The altar's open if anybody needs to come and repent. What'd you meditate on? What'd you think about? <laughs> What's the word tell us to meditate on? <laughs> Things worthy of praise. Meditate on his law day and night, and then you will make your way successful. Well, if, if the word's supposed to wash us and tell us what to do, then what should we meditate on? Why should we see that there's any other why should we see that there's any other thing we should be meditating on? Are we supposed to meditate on anxiety? Are we supposed to meditate on trouble? No. What are we supposed to meditate on? The word. How often? You know how many things over the years the Lord has figured out for me that I didn't have to spend not one ounce of mental energy figuring out is a lot. It's a lot. One time we had a problem in the church. I didn't even know. I, I didn't know about it until, until this moment. And uh, we had a problem in the church. It was a serious problem. Serious problem. And uh, needed to be handled, needed to be dealt with years and years ago. And... Uh, let me tell you, I just prayed. I was just worshiping God. I didn't even know there was a problem. I, 
you know, naturally, logically. I didn't even know there was a problem. I could sense something, but I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what the problem was. But I just stayed in fellowship with God. You know, aloe, abide, listen, obey. I'm just sitting there. Let me tell you what God did. He said, hey, there's a problem. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I'm glad. Apparently, I needed to know. He gave me his word through the Holy Spirit. It wasn't the written word. It was the Holy Spirit giving me a word. Hey, there's a problem. I said, amen. What, what is it? I want you to see this. I literally heard this man's thoughts. The Lord literally put in my spirit, dropped in my spirit, this man's thoughts. I had no proof of it other than by the spirit. But these thoughts were, they were wrong and they were messed up and they needed to be fixed. I needed to do something about it. That's why the Lord told me. And, and so I didn't try to go make that up. I just said, what do you want me to do about it? He showed me what to do. Basically, the first part of that was just sit. You just need to be aware this is going on. And then, and then in a few days, somebody brought me everything I need to know that completely lined up with everything that was wrong. Brought me proof. Brought me all, all kinds of proof. More proof than I wanted. He said, this, this is his thoughts. Literally, in my spirit, I heard his thoughts by, by, with his voice. Like I, in other words, God had me read his mind, you know, through the Holy Ghost. He, had, he literally showed me his mind and where his mind was at and what his thoughts were by the Holy Spirit. Now, this doesn't happen all the time, so don't be like fearing right now. <laughs> but this needed to be dealt with. And uh, so, yeah, this is why people don't, don't just come to Boomerang all the time. Because when the Holy Ghost gets real, they, it, their stuff gets on the, you know, on the docket. It gets front and center, and they're afraid of that. People are afraid of that. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, Ted Shelsworth Jr. was talking about one time he was preaching, and uh, his, or I think it was his dad. His dad started calling stuff out and seeing by the Spirit and everything. And he said, you, you saw somebody on the back row. They were like. <laughs> and out the door they went. They were gone. <laughs> like, I want you looking in my head, you know. And uh, he wasn't looking in their head. The Holy Ghost was calling out what needed to to help the people. You know, the only reason the Lord does that is to help them. Don't, don't let it get to the place where he has to call you out in a service. Amen. That's bad. As a, uh, Dr. Richard was talking about a friend of his uh, this week. He, he came in. <laughs> Woo! He said, uh, I'll use Mark as an example. I know this is the furthest thing from him. But uh, he said uh, the pastor was preaching. And all of a sudden, he came in front of a guy, and, and he, he comes in front by the Spirit. He goes, bam, bam, like that hard. And... And the guy goes, he stands up, he's mad. And the, holy, and the guy, the preacher goes, oh my gosh, he's going to hit me? Why did I do that? It came out of his spirit. He was just preaching in the spirit. The holy Ghost is reading some mail here. All of a sudden, the guy stands up, he's mad. He's like, man, he's getting ready to hit me. And, and the preacher, by the Holy Spirit, right that moment when he was like, what's going to happen? The preacher, again, by the Spirit, goes, you didn't like that, did you? He said, no, I didn't. He said, your wife doesn't like it either. 
by the Spirit. And the guy sat down. You better. <laughs> you better. So the guy had been beating on his wife, and the Holy Spirit called out and needed to stop. He saved not only the wife, but he saved the man as well, if the man listened. You see. Now, here, here's what I want you to see is, is the Holy Ghost will point these things out, but he'll show you things that you need to deal with, even when you don't know that you need to deal with them. So the biggest thing to have in health is your fellowship and your relationship with God. Your fellowship and your relationship with God. And when you get your fellowship right and you meditate on him and the word, he'll show you what you need to know. And when you learn to trust that, oh my goodness, life gets easy. Life gets easy. I want to ask all the time, it's like, hey, pastor, what's this? What's this? What's this? What's this? What's happening? What's going on? Like, who told you to think on that and ask all those questions? It's like in, it's like in the garden. Who told you you were naked? Who told you that? Who said that? Why are you thinking on that? Did God, did the Holy Ghost tell you to think on that? The Holy Spirit knows what you need to think on and meditate on. And if he didn't, if he didn't prop the thought and he didn't prop the conversation, why are you wasting time on it? Like, I don't, I don't try to think about anything. Some people, you know, some critics would agree with me. <laughs> it's like, no, he doesn't think about anything. He just goes do whatever, you know, criticize him. No, I, I don't try to worry or think about anything. I can't tell you how easy that makes life. It makes it so much easier. Who told you to think about that? Who told you? Think about if Eve would have never thought about, what, what would have happened if she wouldn't have never thought about the lack that she thought she had? She wouldn't have sinned if she wouldn't have meditated on that. She actually wasn't in lack. Anything she needed to know, she had fellowship with God. She'd just go to God and say, show me what I need to know. What, what about this? And God would have answered the question. He had all knowledge and she had access to all knowledge. She had access to it all. And the devil made her think that she was lesser, so she meditated on it, and that led to sin. How much sin has been in our life because we've meditated on something the devil's brought to us. We've been thinking on something that wasn't the word and wasn't the promises of God. I mean, like it's kind of like, I don't want to think about that. Good job. <laughs> Good. But you start to understand, like, I don't need to think about the lack. Because when you think about the lack, then you start to draw lack to yourself. So that's why we think on the promises of God, the nature of God, the Word of God. You think about who He is to you and who you are in Him. You meditate on things worthy of praise. And if it's not worthy of praise, you don't meditate. The Lord gave me a statement years ago. He said, if it doesn't make you lift your hands in praise, don't think about it. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. Pastor, why do you do stuff like that? It does, it sticks, you know. I did, a few years ago on Kickstart, I, I had not had this plan, not at all. But I was, did that message, okay, you know. Okay! When the Lord tells you to do something, just say, okay! Okay, and 
I still got people talking to me about that message. They brought it up just a couple weeks ago. Now I remember that message. Okay. And it sticks inside. I don't plan that. I don't even think about that stuff. Just it comes out. The Holy Ghost leads me. I just follow what he says. And then all of a sudden it helps somebody receive what they need to receive. So faith will take the things of the supernatural, the things that are unseen, faith will take those things and it will bring it into being, it will manifest it in our lives. In in Hebrews 11 and verse 3, it says that the worlds were framed by the word of God, by the unseen thing. And in that unseen thing, that's how he brought into being the seen thing. What happened? (laughs) Something broke off. Amen. Word of God breaks things off because it washes you. (laughs) Word and you meditate on it. It washes you. It washes you. Amen. I'm not going to make you run again. Amen. So the word of God is pleasing to God, or faith in the word of God is pleasing to God, and the word of God will actually be the the things that God will bring into being. So as we know his promises, we meditate on his promises, we'll be full, we'll be sound, he'll bring those things into being. Again, Again, I'll tell you that when you're made the righteousness of God in Christ, and your spirit is righteous, that's what gives us a right for your body to be right. When your spirit's made right, that's the root. What you see is the fruit. And when you change the root, you'll change the fruit if you know the word of God and know faith in order to manifest it or bring it into your hand, bring it into being. So this is what makes us healthy. This is what heals us. This is literally what prospers us. What are you, in your spirit, man, you're made the righteousness of God in Christ. You're made right, like God. 2 Corinthians 5.21, right like God. What lack do you have in your finances, in your spirit, man? Your spirit, man, is prosperous in a financial sense. Very prosperous. So your prosperity doesn't come from your work. Your prosperity comes from how you've been made. You have a right to prosper and and have prosperity, not because of what you do, but because of who you are. Selah. Meditate on that for a second. You have a right to prosper, not because of what you do but because of who you are. Who you are will direct what you do that will set you in the places for the prosperity and manifest. Who you are will show you the plan for you to prosper you. Who you are. 
So as you abide in Christ and you see who you are and you listen to Him and let the Word wash you, then you'll be in the right place at the right time doing the right thing and you'll be blessed. You see, so a lot of people think that they're blessed because of their job or because of their occupation. They they have totally misappropriated where the blessing comes from. Your job doesn't make you wealthy. God makes you wealthy. He gives you the power to get wealth. He gives you the power to be healthy. So today as we're talking about how hunger and humility equals healthy, we're not just talking about physical health, although that is definitely included. We're talking about a full health to your whole person, spirit, soul, and body. Mentally, many people are unhealthy because they've not meditated on the Word and they've not hungered and been humble to the Word and so mentally they're unhealthy. You want to be mentally healthy? Hunger after the things of God and humble yourself to the things of God. Abide in Him. Abide, listen, and obey. You want to be healthy in any way, the answer is the same. Because God will take what's in the Spirit, the promise that He has in the Spirit, the promise that He has in the Word, and as you put faith on His promise, it'll manifest it into your hand. It'll bring it into being. 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 Your mental prosperity. Where is it? Your mental prosperity, where is it? Let, let me show you something. Um, you go uh, find, find the passage real quick of the rich man and the beggar Lazarus. Just tell me what book and chapter it's in. Luke 16. Go to Luke 16. Luke 16, 19. Now there was a rich man, and he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, joyously living in splendor every day. Now, was he actually rich? He was rich in the, in the flesh, but was he rich in his whole band? No, he wasn't. So he was, he, the richness in his physical man made him think that he was okay, and he wasn't humble. He wasn't humble enough to actually examine his whole man. He just thought that his physical riches were proof of his whole man was rich, but he was very poor. So he was physically rich, but very poor, very poor. And we find that out. And so this is, see, where humility. So he's sick, but he doesn't even know it because he wouldn't judge himself. But he's sick. He's got a problem. Major problem. And he, and he says here, And a poor man named Lazarus was laid at the gate covered with sores and longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. So the dogs were ministering to this man. Now, I'm not going to tell you that the, that the beggar Lazarus was in a fully... Uh, full condition that God wanted him to be, 
He wasn't, obviously, sick. But think about this, even the, do- the dogs were ministering to him. So both of these guys had some problems, but in their spirit, in the real them, Lazarus was in a better condition even though it looked different. Lazarus was in a better condition. This is, this is kind of what the Lord talks about in 1 Corinthians 1 that says, and me paraphrasing, now consider yourselves, there in, in you there weren't many wise, there weren't many noble, there weren't many strong. And he says, basically, you were the outcast and you were coming from nothing, but he's going to take you, transform you, and he's going to use you to shame the wise. Will you receive? He's going to use you to show all the people that think they got it that they don't got it because he's going to take you, raise you up from the dust, right? Raise you up from this place. So Jesus is telling this story. He hasn't even been crucified yet. This is apparently somebody operating under the old covenant. But in the new covenant, we don't have to stay at that place. We get the inner man healed. We can have the outer man healed too, right? We can have the outer man healed too and should based off of what Jesus paid for. But what, what you see is God will take us and he'll say, look, weren't many of you, weren't many of you that were born into wealth? And I'm talking about physically in here today. Many of us, we weren't born into wealth. We weren't born into just an extreme wisdom. No, he took the people that were basically the outcasts of society and he's going to take it and he's going to shame the world. He's going to say, you thought they had nothing, but I'm going to show you who they are on the inside. I'm going to turn their lives around. I'm going to put riches in their hand. And even the Gentiles, even the unbelievers are going to say, look at the good things God has done for them. Is that your report? Oh, do you have it already? Do you have it on the inside? So, just... What I want you to see, though, is Lazarus, even though his physical body was not in a good condition, his spiritual man was better than the guy who looked like he had it all together. Don't be the rich man with your religion. Don't be the rich man thinking you got it all together. This is the problem in the American church, is we think because we go to church on Sunday morning, we got it all together, and we won't humble ourselves, and because we don't humble ourselves, we don't walk in the fullness of grace. And so ultimately, by continuing in that path, you get more and more and more unhealthy. More and more and more unhealthy. How many people want that? Me either. He says this. He says, he was, verse 21, and Lazarus was longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table. The crumbs. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. Now the poor man died. Now you'll notice here that this is not just a parable, but Jesus is saying, now there was a rich man, and there was the beggar Lazarus. Scholars agree that this was, not, this was not a parable. There was actually a man that Jesus was aware of, the rich man and the beggar Lazarus, real people. He's telling a real story here. Poor man died and was carried away to the, by the angels to Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. Now, where's his body? Where's his physical body? 
in the ground. Where's his physical mind? His brain. In the ground. Where's his eyes? In the ground. Being in Hades, he lifted up his eyes. Whoa, what eyes? Yeah. He, he's got these facilities still with him, even though his body's, his body is in the ground. All right, now look at this. He lifted up his eyes, being in torment. He saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue. What? My tongue? Where's his physical tongue? It's not in Hades. It's in the ground back on earth, buried. What tongue's he talking about? Don't you know that when God made us as a spirit, you're made in the image and likeness of God? You're not just a blob. You're not just a shapeless form. No, you have a form. In Exodus 33 and 34, where God passes before Moses, show me all your glory. It says he passed and you can't see my face. So he's got a face. You can't. But he passed and he saw the backside of God. God had a backside, right? You see that a spirit man has a tongue, has eyes. It's not just a body. This body is wrapped around the spirit man. All right, now, he said, no, what I want you to see is this. In the spirit, he was thirsty. It says, for I am in agony in this flame. He was in agony. He could feel. He could taste. He could get thirsty. But Abraham said, child, remember during your life you received your good things. Now, whoa, whoa, whoa. Remember? I thought memory was a function of the brain. But not just the physical brain. Obviously, there's a memory in the spirit in the spirit man and in the soul. That's not a function of your physical brain. He said, you had good things, likewise Lazarus, bad things, but now he is comforted here and you are in this agony. And besides, between all of us, all of this, between us and you, there is a great chasm fixed so that those who wish to come over from here to you will not be able that none may cross over from there to us. And he said, then I beg you, Father, send him to my father's house. How does he remember his father's house? His brain's buried on the earth. Well, you got a problem with your brain that we need to fix. You know, your mind is failing you. Memory's not a function of your brain. Obviously, memory's a function. Of the spirit man. Are you seeing something? He says, he says, send them back to my brothers. And he goes on, he says, verse 29, Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. In other words, they have the word of God. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they don't 
listen to the word of God, they'll not be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. So if you won't be persuaded by the word, it doesn't matter what signs happen in front of you, you won't change. So you've got to get, you've got to put a priority on the word. Now listen to this. So what's the issue when somebody has memory problems or they have sickness in their mind? Is the issue ultimately in their physical body or is it messed up somewhere in the, in the manifestation from the Spirit? From the Spirit. So you can change things And you can receive these things by the Spirit. You see that? So, see, we've relegated all of our problems to what's happening in our physical body, not realizing that we still have a root that supersedes that physical body. There's a root inside of us. So now all of a sudden, if I'll start to recognize that if I fix the spirit man and and I receive the manifestation of who I am in the spirit, healed and right in God, I can walk in fullness in the body. Do you see that? This is what most people don't know. Because, see, and, and what brings you to this place is a hunger and a humility towards the things of God. You keep meditating on the problems. If you, if Mark, if you're sick in your body and all you do is meditate on the sickness in your body, you're going to remain sick. But if you'll say, no, I'm the healed of the Lord. Now to your neighbor who's all focused on the flesh, that's going to sound like foolishness. But it isn't this what the Bible says? That the foolishness of God is wiser than men. Do you understand? Who you are in the Spirit is what matters if you'll receive what Christ did and the wholeness. And the wholeness. Who you are in the Spirit. You are the healed of the Lord. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. And right now, say it. Say, I receive the wholeness of who I am in God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Body be whole, mind be whole, whole body, spirit, soul, and body be whole in the name of Jesus. See, the problem is not a function of what's happening in the flesh. The problem is based in either our spirit man is not renewed or we don't know how to get our renewed spirit man by faith into the flesh man. But when, so this, what are we talking about? We're talking about your physical body being healed. We're talking about your brain being healed. We're talking about your mind being restored. We're talking about your finances being restored. We're talking about every area of life. You know, kind of like I've come that you might have and enjoy life to the full till it overflows. The Zoe life of God. Every area. How many areas? Every area. This is, this is the truth of God. This is why. Now, how do we get to this place? 
we humble ourselves to the truth of the Word of God and we hunger after His things. We humble ourselves to the truth of the Word of God and we hunger after these things. Can you take a little bit more? Are you done? Have you received, have you received something already? All right. The word sick. The word sick means weak or ill, unwell. Now, what's a well? A well is where there's a supply and a flow. Sick means you stop the flow. A well is a storage or a container where there's a supply. In other words, there's no supply. Unwell, right? Unwell. Sick means lacking, or watch this, dis-ease, disease. Dis-ease. In other words, I'm not in ease, my ease has been taken away. My ease has been dissed. Dis-ease. Disorder. A sickness can be called a disorder. The order of God has been dissed. See, in God, put up 2 Corinthians 5.21. The power of hunger and humility is it deals with these things. It deals with these. See, a lot of times there's a, a disconnection. The first thing you have to fix is the root. This is what this verse talks about. He says, he made him, the Father, God, made him, see the capital H, that's talking about Jesus, he made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin. He was not sin, but God made him sin. On our behalf, for you and for me. Say it, for me. me. He did it for me. me. He's already done it. it. He done went and did it. He made Jesus to be sin for me. Make it, it's personal. It's not just for the pastor. He made Jesus to be sin for you. So, there was a reason. So that we might become the righteousness of the best person you know. How right is God? He's all the way right. How right is God? Is there any not right in Him? So that everything's right. So He made everything right with you in Jesus, in Him. In Jesus, He made everything right with you. How come it is you don't feel right all the time? Because you're meditating on what the world told you and what your body told you but you're not meditating on what the Word told you. Now, I'm not telling you that you don't have a flesh that's not going to try and get you to sin, and then I never sin. You know, that the, the Word actually teaches you you've already deceived yourself, but you've got to recognize who you are. 
And when you recognize who you are in Christ, then you'll stop sinning because you'll be like, that's not who I am. That's not what I do. That's not what I do. I'm not the sick trying to get well. I'm the healed of the Lord. I'm the healed of the Lord. I'm not the addict. You know, you got, you got worldly systems, and they do some good and everything, but they don't do the full work. And they'll tell you for the rest of your life, this is who you are. This sin, you're this sin, you're this lack, you're out of order, you're in disorder, you're in dis-ease. You'll, you'll have these things, that, and, and it, they can have a good heart, but that doesn't mean they're biblical. They can talk about Jesus, but it doesn't mean they're biblical. God says you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. You're not the addiction. That's not who you are. If you're born again, if you're born again, you're the righteousness of God in Christ. And when that becomes more of your identity, then when the the addictive substance comes in front of you, you'll go, that's not who I am. I don't do that. Because the real me is not that. My flesh man used to want to do that. That's not who I am. I'm not my flesh. Say it with me. I'm not my flesh. And you can do the same thing with sickness. I'm not my, I'm not my sickness. So everybody, we, were in the, we were in the store last night. And uh, we were waiting in line on the way home at a gas station for the bathroom. And uh, we're sitting there. And, and while we're standing there, there's an aisleway. And down there was the cash register and the person working there. And uh, sure enough, the person working there, they're like, well, I got I to gotta stay till 6 o'clock. I was supposed to go at 5, but I got to train somebody. Blah, blah, blah. I turned to the call. I said, everybody's a victim today. If that's what you identify with, that's what you'll be. I'm not a victim. If I got to do something, I got to do something. I'm not a victim of it. It's my job. Everybody's got to be a victim. Why? Because we've taught people to be victims. If you're taught to be a victim, what are you not taught? Who you are in Christ. Well, my mom and dad, they just messed me up. Okay, but you got this. And you can fix all that mess up. You can fix it all with the truth. He says, if you know the Word and you continue in His Word, you'll know the truth and the truth will take away your victimhood. We have a bigger inheritance than what we were born with. How many people were born with problems? Born into a family of problems. Born into a skin of problems. Who wasn't? Who could claim victimhood? All of us. But who can... Who can claim freedom? All of us. Because I have a different inheritance. An inheritance that stems and is generated in the Spirit, in the unseen, that by faith I can manifest it over into the seen. And it can change who I am. And it can bring fullness. It can bring things out of disorder and back into the order of God. It can take things out of dis-ease and bring them back into ease. No matter if it's sickness, or mental, or physical, or financial, or social. God can take a completely socially inept person. You input your own person you know in the blank. 
and have them preach the Word of God with boldness. And heal and bring it back into the order of God where they had learned that they were nothing in the world. They had no self-confidence, no self-esteem, and completely turn it around. And he can do that with anybody. 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 He can take the lack and the unwell and make it well. And matter of fact, he's already done it. He's already done it. But because we've identified with the fleshly and the physical, then we can't step into the freedom of the supernatural and the spiritual. But if we'll yield in humility to what the Word of God says, it'll place us in that place. See, all of these are just issues where lack is concerned, and lack came in because of the curse. Jesus already dealt with the curse. What are we waiting on? What are we waiting on? (laughs) Then you see that healthy. Healthy means sound and vigorous in whatever area it is. Sound and vigorous. Sound means solid, stable, and firm. Solid. In other words, it's not deflated. It's solid. Stable. It's not shaky. It's firm, firm, stable. Vigorous means, talking about the fullness of life, full. Vigorous means full. Energized. A force. Full. Energized. A force. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Put Put First Corinthians or Second Corinthians five twenty one back up. First Corinthians five twenty one. He made sin. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness, righteousness of God in the rights of God. You have a rights. You have rights. Yeah. You have a right to the things of God yeah. in His righteousness. Back to Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. righteousness. After righteousness, for they shall be satisfied or filled, full, vigorous, energized, a force, solid, stable, firm. When you hunger after the things of God, you'll be full. You won't be unwell with a lack of flow, with a lack of fullness. You'll be well. You'll be well when you hunger for these things. But like we said at the beginning, most people, most people think they're hungry, but they're not hungry because if they were hungry, they'd be filled. And every time we see a lack of feeling, it really shows a lack of hunger. Yes. And maybe, maybe we're trying to be hungry, but we just started down the path and there's some things we need to learn. Okay, great. Keep going. Keep going. You think God's going to stop just because you haven't experienced it yet and haven't, haven't, you're just getting started, but there's some things you still need to learn and, and change and, and, and you need to be transformed into? 
Don't, don't give up when you first start. How many people, you, you started going to church and everything was like you know, a dream for like three months, six months, and then all of a sudden it got hard. How many, how many people have felt that before? When you start going after God, it was like, oh, glory to God. And then after a few weeks, a few months, it was like, whoo. Like it was easier when I wasn't going after God. How many people have ever experienced that when you're younger? Even, amen, it's almost everywhere. Why? That's where the enemy comes quickly. He comes immediately to steal the seed of the word. Proverbs 16.3 says, commit your works that your thoughts might be established. In other words, you're going to still think some things wrong, keep doing the works, and you'll get that thinking right. He's telling us that because in doing right, you're going to think some wrong things, but just keep doing the right things. Just be hungry for the things of righteousness and keep going. Don't get weary in well-doing. Why did He tell us that? Because when we were doing well, we were going to be, he knew we were going to be tempted with getting weary. He knew it. So don't stop. Just keep going. You stumble and fall because you, you looked at your flesh for a little bit. Just pick yourself up. Dust yourself off and keep running the race. Hunger and thirst, you'll be full. You'll be well. You'll be, at, you'll be at ease. Hunger, we, we've got to understand. I, I would say everybody in here and probably everybody that's here in this message is not operating at the fullness of hunger that God's Spirit allows them to operate at. Everybody, including myself. Can we hunger after God more? If we can do it, let's go after it. If it's available to us, let's get it. Amen. Let's stop being the people. Like, we ought to be so hungry that we're, we're causing other people to get hungry. Because you get hungry, you'll start to be filled. You start to be filled, you'll be the proof that the people are looking for. It'll start to prove it. Look at James. Four, six, and seven. But he gives a greater grace. He gives not just grace, but obviously you've got an outpouring of grace, but then some people can step into a greater grace. You want to be the people that just receive grace, or you want to be the people that walk in greater to whom much is given, much is required. You're given an opportunity to put your faith out there and walk in greater. Yeah. Who, should, who should try to go after the greater? Every believer. Every believer. There's a greater grace. I don't want to walk in just grace when I can walk in greater grace. Just like in 2 Corinthians 9 and, and verse 10, he says, and he increases the harvest of our righteousness. That means some people get a lower harvest, some people get a, a more increased harvest. How many should go after the increased harvest of righteousness? Everybody. Why are we holding back like you're nothing? Because we don't have a revelation of who we actually are. Amen. Let's go after him. 
He says he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It's a promise. He will flee from you, from the humble. It's one of the things you ever have trouble casting out the devil and getting, getting stuff out of your life. It only flows really with humility. So, if I, I've had times before, I'm like, come out. The devil's like, no. I said, come out. No. Come out. No. I had, I had to face the reality. Like, maybe I wasn't humble. And it's true, I wasn't. I hadn't humbled myself to some of the reality of righteousness. That I was right in God. I was trying to cast them out by my good deeds. Well, I'm a pastor and I should be able to do this. And I've tried not to sin all this week and I've been pretty successful. So if I base it on my good deeds, now it's my righteousness, not his righteousness. I hadn't humbled myself to his righteousness. I can do this because he paid the price and he made me righteous, not because of my own works. A humble and thirst after righteousness a hunger and thirst after righteousness, to humble myself to righteousness, to who he's made me, not to who I've been or how I was born or the stuff I'm dealing with. No, I humble myself to how he's made me. We humble ourselves to how he's made us righteous. So I give, he gives grace to the humble. I humble myself to recognize that I might not be where I thought I was. I humble myself and I say, Lord, it, I'm, you know, how much do I, how much room do I have to grow? Probably a lot. Probably a lot. The best people you know on earth, the most godly people on earth, how much room do they have to grow? A bunch, I guarantee you. A bunch. Myself included. And especially Pastor Nicole. Very humble. I say it with a humble heart. <laughs> she receives it humbly, right? Amen, 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 amen. And glory to God. First, First Peter chapter 5, verse 5 through 10. Watch this. You younger men. Younger is not just talking about physical age. Not just talking about physical age, talking about spiritual age here. Younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders. I've seen some people that have been in the church for 60 years, and they don't have any more maturity than a, than a Christian who's been born again for three days. I've seen Christians that have been born again for three days with more maturity than, than somebody who's been born again and in the church and going after God for 20 and 30 years. You know, what the, you know what one of the biggest markers of elder, of, of being older in the Lord and maturity in the Lord is? Humility and hunger. I've seen people that have been born again for three days, and they're more hungry and more humble than people because people thought that they'd been in church for 70 years. That got them something. It's good to be in church. It's right to be in church. But if you sat there and all you, you never changed and you never actually listened and let the word wash you and transform you, you hadn't done very much. It was good to be there, 
But you gotta, you got to change. you got to yield to the Lord. That's what humility does. Younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders and all of you. Clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Clothe yourselves with humility. Now, just think about what does that look like. Clothe yourselves with humility. Does that mean like, no, you're wrong. I'm right, you're wrong. Is that humility towards one another? No. 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 Well, it's the principle of the matter. You shouldn't have done that. Is that humility? Man, the world teaches us that that's right. Now, you've got to stand up for yourself. You deserve better. That's like anti-humility talk. Because it'll get you to step out of humility and into pride. Clothe yourself with humility towards one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And the more humble we are, the greater the grace it is. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. One of the greatest things of humility that I've ever seen is in Mark chapter 10. When, when the rich young ruler comes up to Jesus, and, and if ever there was a man on the earth that could receive praise, would you not agree that Jesus was that man? I mean, he never did anything wrong. Could he have received praise? Yes, he could. Well, I want you to see something. In that moment, here's what he says in all humility. He said there's only one good, and that's God. He wouldn't even receive the statement, good master. He wouldn't even receive the good on that. He said, basically, as a man, I'm not even receiving that without passing it to God. (laughs) I'm not even receiving that praise. That taught me something years ago. It showed me an act of humility. In other words, when I understand that it's the goodness of God that I'm under the hand of, all of the good things, you know, James 1, every good and perfect gift comes from above. That means I I didn't bring any of my good and perfection. If it's good and perfect in me, I brought none of it to the table on my own. It all came from God, so who deserves the thanks and who deserves the glory? God does. He deserves it all. And so when I humble myself, I've got to recognize I didn't bring this. Even if I, people say, well, pastor, you did such a good job with this and this ministry or this event or whatever. I'm like, God is so good. And they're like, but you had to choose to do it. That's true. But guess who gave me the ability and the strength to make a choice? Guess who showed me that I needed to make that choice? God, guess who gave me the breath and the strength to do it? Yeah, but, but you, need, you need to receive some of the thanks and the praise for it. I don't need to. No, I give it to God. I praise Him. Every good and perfect gift comes from Him. From Him. I'll say thank you, thank you. Then I'll say to who it goes to. God is good. Thank you. God is so good. He's so good. He's so good. He's so good. He's so good. See, we need to get thankful for some things. Humility understands we didn't bring anything to the table. Well, you, I worked hard. Who, who empowered you to work? Who gave you the brain to work? Who opened up the door of opportunity? Who showed you how to do that? Every good and perfect gift comes from him. Everyone. So humility sees that and understands that. Here's, he says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. 
casting all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. See, humility says, I don't have to worry about myself. We having atmosphere. Amen. Am I at the Oscars being like music Dolph? They just keep raising the music, take my mic down. Is that what's happening? That's enough, Pastor. It's time to go to lunch. No, they're they're trying to do good. I'm making fun of it, but it kind of felt good. Amen. That's, that's showing always humility towards one another. I'm clothing myself with humility right here. Amen. What is humility really? No, no, no. Please. No, leave it now. We're there. Amen. I would feel like we were without. If you turned it off. (laughs) Amen. This is this is where I have to humble myself and be like, get back to the spirit. Don't think those thoughts in the flesh. There's so many. Let me just tell you, I have a few of these, uh, but it's like the thoughts that go through my head at certain times. I don't need to say it into a microphone. And uh, still, still got a flesh. I still got to put down. Nicole has like 10 times more than I have. Amen. I'm not wrong. She doesn't see. <laughs> quick. She's quick with those things. Amen. All right. Casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I want you to see this. What anxiety do you actually need to carry? What anxious thoughts are you, do you need to think about? What cares are you anointed to carry? Then why do we do it? <laughs> why do we do that? You're not anointed to carry your cares. We should be the most free people. I mean, on the outside, you can walk like this. But on the inside, you ought to be like, (laughs) I'm just carefree. Like, dance like there's no tomorrow. I mean, just like, carefree. I don't care what I look like. Carefree. That's what allows me to do that in front of cameras. Carefree. I don't care. After a while, you're like, man, somebody could take that and make a clip of it. Make it look really bad. They're going to do it anyway. I might as well do it and have fun. Like, stop caring so much. Caring, when I say care, I'm not talking about loving on somebody. I'm talking about carrying the weight of it. Carrying the weight of it. Don't tell the person when they're leaving your house, take care. Dear God, that's exactly what God said not to do. Carry the weight of your trip home and dear God, save yourself from all the evil drivers out there that for God's sake would pause for an extra five seconds when the light turns green. 
or drive in the left lane for miles. Take care, carry the weight. Do not drive in the left lane if you're going slow. It's a law. That was by the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's the Holy Ghost helping me not carry the care. Amen. But why, why do we... Man, why is it everybody that drives in the left lane... Why is it everybody that drives in the left lane and, and they're going 10 miles under the speed limit, they're oblivious to everything else? Because, well, they're not carrying the care, but they should actually consider others and clothe themselves with humility towards the people driving in the right lane that wants to get by. Amen. They don't know the law and the prophets. Amen. It actually is a law to not do that. But man, it's rampant today. You know why? Because people don't care about other people. They don't, they don't, not, they don't love care. They, they don't actually want to give other people an honor and a consideration. That's part of what's going on. They're not clothed with humility towards one another. So they're not even, they don't think about anybody else higher than themselves like the word says. But here, here's what I want. It's funny because you'll drive by and it's like, <laughs> you know, you know, you might as well turn the music off because it's not a holy moment. Amen. So <laughs> this, I'm going to tell a story. And uh, so you see, it's like I'll be going down the road and I'll see, and I'm like, I'm going and I'm driving. And then this person going 10 miles under the speed limit in the left lane. And I sit behind them for, I'm like, are they going to wake up or? You know, I pull up on them. Now, don't, don't tailgate them. You know, people do that. That's the wrong thing to do. But just, just you know, come in a healthy distance and everything. And I'm sitting there. And then they sit there. And they sit there in the left lane. They sit there in the left lane. And I know percentage-wise, some of y'all in here is the ones that do it. I get it. I'm telling you to help anybody. And then, and then all of a sudden, what's this got to do with your message? I don't know yet. God just gave, he gave me permission to tell the story. All right, so we'll find out in a minute. Anyway, and so then all of a sudden I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, come on. Go. Get over it. See, see how worldly this got? And they turned off the music. So, and all of a sudden, you know, I, I, <laughs> I'm driving, I'm driving, I'm driving. All of a sudden, it's like the Lord tells me, you can pass them. I'm like, praise God. So I jump in the right lane. I got a free. So I'm like, like this. When you go by the car, like, I just want to look and see what, what the type of person that would sit in the left lane and not get over. I just want to see what they look like. I just want to see, like, is there, a, is there a common trait that makes you think that it's okay to sit in the left lane and, and, and not move over? Is there something common? I mean, is it, is it male or female? Is it, is it you know, uh, uh, a left or right-leaning uh, political stance? Like, what is it? What it makes? What's the common denominator here? And so when you pass, I just, you know, pass, and I'm like, all of a sudden I'm like, like, like this. With that look, like is wrong with you 
I know y'all have never felt this. I'm just, I'm repenting right here in front of you on live, live broadcast. Like, what is, what is the holdup here? Then one day I'm driving down the road. I'm driving down the road and, and I'm just, I'm spending time with the Lord and I'm just, you know, and, and, and what I didn't know was the speed limit had changed. <laughs> See, <laughs> Romans 2 talks about when you judge people. Like, you become guilty of the same thing. And I'm sitting there, and I didn't know the speed limit had gone from 60 to 70, and I'm still doing my speed for 60. And I'm sitting there, and I got music going and everything. I might be praising God, and I'm driving. All of a sudden, I catch motion on the right side of me, and I'm like, oh, what is that? And there, there's that person. And here, here's the person going by me like, <laughs> judging me now. <laughs> I'm like... I'm so sorry. (laughs) I know what you're thinking. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Nothing like that to humble you real quick. Nothing like it to humble you real quick. See, this is why we need to, if we'll walk and clothe ourselves with humility towards others, we won't have those moments. (laughs) If we'll forgive and move on. And I need to work on that one apparently. So the Lord brought it up personally in front of all of y'all. Amen. So, But cast our anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But resist Him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. I want you to see something here because it says... He, he goes around like a roaring lion, then he says, resist him. Notice that in James 4 and in 1 Peter 5, both times when it talks about resisting the devil, what's it connected to? Humility. It's connected to humility. And if you'll notice when you go into Philippians chapter 2, it says that Jesus humbled himself as a servant even to the point of sinful man. He even put on humility to the point to serve man. He came up underneath every sinful man so that he could lift him up. And he said, this is when he was given. He humbled himself even in obedience unto death. He humbled himself so far that he even gave himself up to death. And that's when he was given the name that every knee shall bow to. He was given the authority that would submit the devil by that name. How? Through humility. And watch what humility does here. It, it says this. He says, know that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished in your brethren who are in the world. Now there's a very religious, actually very non-humble view of suffering. We did a whole series on it. I think it was last year. And, and it talks about what suffering actually is. Suffering is not just putting up with pain. Most people and most believers in America think that suffering is putting up with pain. But Bible suffering, the way this word is talked about and preached on, uh, actually means that you are going through the corruption of the world, but knowing that you're going to win and standing in faith the whole time. 
So Bible suffering is not just putting up with pain. Bible suffering is actually putting your flesh down in the middle of a trial so that you can be victorious. That's what Bible suffering is. And he he says, look, and you'll notice this, he says, so most people think suffering, there's no end to it and there's no answer to it. But look at what it says. Knowing that the same experience of suffering are what? By the Holy Ghost, same experiences of suffering are what? Being accomplished. Suffering should always, should always end with being accomplished. In other words, they've moved into victory. They've, they've accomplished into victory. And what's the power that will give you the grace to move through it? Humility. When we submit ourselves to God and we humble ourselves to God. See, we're humbling ourselves to the victory. God, thanks be unto God who's always leading me to triumph in Christ. Even in the middle of this suffering. Even in the middle of this, my flesh is yelling at me. My flesh is telling me everything I need to go do. But Lord, I'm going to tell my flesh to shut up. And I'm going to have victory in the middle because I humble myself to your plan. So see, you've got preachers that stand up and being like, this sickness is for you. This, this sickness is to teach you something. This sickness do that. That is complete hogwash. Sickness is not anointed to be your teacher. The Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit's anointed. Trials is not anointed to be your teacher. The issue is, in the middle of trials, we just put up a video with Pastor Alan DiDio and myself. The issue, the issue is that trials, sickness, stuff like that, a lot of times what happens in the middle of that trial is you, you wake up to the fact that you need to go back into fellowship with God. And you reconnect with God in the middle of it and start praying. And that fellowship, abiding in Him, is what actually brought the victory through. Not the sickness to wake you up. Sickness and trials, they're not the teacher. And so we don't humble ourselves to sickness and trials. We humble ourselves to God Almighty and to fellowship with Him. And in that humility towards His righteousness, we step into the victory. And then we become a picture of what God's will is on the earth. It takes us to a fullness. It takes us out of lack, out of dis-ease and into ease, out of disorder and into order. This hunger for the things of God will fill us, make us full, and this humility will do, verse 10. And after you have suffered for a little while or stood in humility on the things of God, the God of all grace, who called you, say it, who called me, Called me to His eternal glory. Notice His eternal glory. Eternity is not just forward. Eternity is forward and backward, and it is now. Eternity is now. We're in eternity now. And He says He called you to His glory, let me put it this way, which is eternal, including now. Including now. Do you see that His glory is made for you now? And He's called you to His glory, which is all the goodness of God and the presence of God. He's called you to it now. And in His presence is fullness of joy. Why? How can you have fullness of joy if you've not walked in the victory? How can you have fullness of joy when you're not walking in the fullness of health? How can you have fullness of joy when you're not walking in the fullness of your prosperity and finances? How can you have fullness of joy when you're not walking in the fullness of like mental health? How can you have fullness of joy? 
Because the issue is, don't beat yourself up for not being there yet. See that you can now have it in His presence, in His glory, which is eternal. And after you have suffered, stood in humility for the things of God for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to His eternal glory in Christ, will Himself go back to the definition of sickness and health. Sickness, weak, not strong, ill, unwell, no flow, no fullness, lacking, dis-ease, no ease, disorder, no order of God. See, sickness is out of order with God's will. Health, solid or sound and vigorous, solid, stable, Firm, full, energized, a force. When you move into hunger, you'll be full. You'll be filled. When you move into hunger, you'll be full. You'll be filled. And when you move into hunger, you'll have no lack. There'll be no disorder. You'll be full in the order of God. There'll be no dis-ease because you'll have ease because you're full. When you move into humility, verse 10, when you move into humility, Christ will Himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. He'll give you strength. He'll make you stable. He'll confirm that what you've been believing has been right. He'll perfect you. He'll bring you to the perfect order of God. And in that place where you have fullness, the ease will come to pass. Hunger and humility equals healthy in spirit, soul, and body. But we have to humble ourselves enough to recognize that the hunger and the humility that God calls for, maybe, just maybe, before today, we haven't operated at that godly, heavenly level of hunger and humility. But today, we can do it through Christ. How many people want the fullness of God? And even as you come up today for prayer, don't you receive hunger and humility? Uh, Don't you receive the fullness based off of who you've been? where you've come from, what the doctors are telling you, what your past has been. You receive it based off of the righteousness of God in Christ. No matter who I've been or where I've come from or how I've felt. You can play the music now. I'm wrapping up. (laughs) Or how I've felt. Amen. No matter what, I can humble myself to the fullness of God, to the order of God, to what God has said is right, to the righteousness of God in Christ. I can humble myself to that and choose to believe that as truth over how I'm feeling, over what the doctors have said, over what I've experienced for years. Think about the woman with the issue of blood. What would have happened if she would have let her experience get in the way of her hunger? She would have never got healed. What if she would have, would have let her pride get in the way of humility? No, you need to work this out for yourself. Don't go, don't go pull on somebody else. But her humility 
came, hit her knees, touched the fringes of the robe, hungered so much she could have been killed for being out in public, but she was so hungry for the man who would make her right, that would heal the disease, the disorder. She was so hungry. Her faith, what did he say? Your faith has made you whole. Her faith took what she could see with spiritual eyes, but not physical eyes. Took the world in the things of the Spirit, and her faith manifested it into her hands. And Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. Her humility, Lord, I can't do this by myself. I've been trying. I've spent all my money for 12 years. Her humility not to look at her history, not to look at where she was born or how she was born, not to look at her problems, but to look at the answer. Eyes set with humility on the solution that is Jesus. Eyes set with hunger on the solution that is Jesus. She reached out with her faith, connected heaven and earth, and pulled the reality and the order of God into her physical body. Pulled the reality of God's wealth into her physical body. Pulled the reality of God's ease into her body. Pulled the reality of God's restoration into her body. Pulled the reality of God's wholeness into her body. Do we know who we are in Christ? Do we really know? Are we walking in that place of complete health through hunger and humility? Can we, can we step into more of it today? And as you come up today, no matter what it is you're believing for, health in your body, health in your finances, health in your soul, let your whole self, spirit, soul, and body, let it move into the fullness of God today. It all starts with relationship and changing the root. Many people, many times, many times, people can't walk in the fullness because they know that their root is not right. So they're not born again. But then you see many believers who... They're born again, but their fellowship with God and their revelation of righteousness, they're not hungering after righteousness because they don't feel righteous because they've messed up, they've sinned, they've thought the wrong things, done the wrong things, and so their fellowship is broken. And if they had to try and pull into being who they were, they can't because their, their sin consciousness instead of righteousness consciousness, it, it dulls that whole flow. So they're, they're right in Christ, but they need to heal it. They need to heal that flow. They need to have faith that they can have the things of God's health, of His order. This is why when people, many times if they're you know, sinning, if they're sinning, they have a hard time getting healed and staying healed because they, they keep knowing that they're sinning and so they keep operating in sin consciousness instead of receiving forgiveness and, and repentance. 
They keep operating in that sin consciousness. They don't operate by who they really are in righteousness. And so because they're not operating there, they have no faith that they can have who they are in the Spirit. Their faith is is seared. Their faith is broken. Their, Their conscience is destroyed and it breaks their faith. The Bible says that. It says when, you're, when your conscience is broken, your faith doesn't work. Faith worketh by love. If their conscience is broken, they know they're not walking in proper love, and so now their faith breaks. So that's why we, we want to walk holy. It's why we want to walk in the things of God. And So what it comes down to is knowing that you're righteous and then by faith knowing that you have a right to bring the root into the fruit of the physical. But knowing that you're righteous boils down to being born again and then walking like you're born again and staying in that place of fellowship. And so today, I don't know where you're at. I believe most people that are in here know Christ and are born again. But man, how many times in this corrupted world is your mind challenged and you're and tested as to whether or not you'll stay in that righteousness and walk in that righteousness. And so I just ask you right now to close your eyes and let's let's make sure that the root is fixed, that the root is not only righteous, but anything that may have gotten in the way of that righteousness is healed and fixed. And so I just ask you, every person in here, every person that's watching or listening, just pray this prayer right now. Just say, Jesus. I repent. I change my way of thinking. I humble myself to the things of God. I humble myself. Just let those words sit. I humble myself to operate like He wants me to operate. I humble myself to His commands. I humble myself to His plans. I humble myself to his reality. I'm not going to think on anxious things. I'm not going to be anxious or carry the cares. I humble myself. Lord, you got this. And you'll show me what to do if there is anything to do. You got this. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. You got this. Just say it with me. Say, Jesus, you got this. Whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. You got me. You got my body, my soul, my spirit. You got me. I yield in all humility to you. And I hunger after your things. Thank you, Father. Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. I repent for any place that I missed it. And by faith, I receive your forgiveness. And I'm righteous. I believe that God raised you from the dead, showing that everything that could hold me down when I was in Him it wasn't enough to break the power of God's love 
and hold me down in the grave. But I was raised with him because I'm righteous in Christ. I'm righteous in Christ. I'm righteous in Christ. In him, I'm righteous. In him, I'm righteous. And I won't let my flesh tell me any different or get me to act any different or get me to think any different. But I hunger after you and your righteousness and I humble myself to your righteousness and everything that righteous would do. In Jesus' name. Lord, I receive your saving. I receive your healing right now. In the name of Jesus. I just receive right there where you're sitting. Power of God's moving right now into people's lives. Healing bodies. Healing minds. Healing past hurts. Right now, receiving. In Jesus' name. His power is moving right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yeah, heal and be now in the name of Jesus. Heal and be now in Jesus' name. Healing come to pass now in Jesus' name. Bodies be well. Bodies be well in the name of Jesus. Amen. Bodies be well. Minds be well now in Jesus' name.